what's your name? Say it. It doesn't matter what your name is. Say my name. What's your name? What? What is your name? Tony. You're listening to Don't Call Us Anthony Podcast. All guest views and opinions are their own. But don't worry, the hosts will share theirs so you can call them opinionated. But just don't call them Anthony. And now, the hosts of Don't Call Us Anthony, Cooley and Tony. Hey everybody, thank you for tuning in to the Don't Call Us Anthony podcast. Cooley and I are super excited to bring you an interview with director, producer, and award-winning playwright and screenwriter, Lenny Schwartz. Lenny has 44 plays and 30 screenplays under his name. He was named the Planet Connection's best playwright in 2013, 16, and 18. He also holds awards for the best screenplay in 2017 and 2022 at the Shaunashe Film Festival and Macabre Fair Film Festival. Lenny was also the playwright of Bill Finger, Rise of the Bat, which shed light on who Bill Finger was in regards to Batman. We also discuss his play about virtually forgotten comic book illustrator Steve Ditko titled Ditko. Lenny is a force in the theater and film industry, and it was a pleasure talking with him about his work and what we can expect in the near future. We hope you'll enjoy this interview as much as we did with the one and only Lenny Schwartz. Are we recording? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Hey guys. Now we are. Oh my God. Welcome to the show. Welcome, I mean, don't ever say, don't ever ask if we're recording because that makes me feel like we should be recording. So I you guess. always should be recording. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll let you guys do your things, but welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it, guys. Um, <laughs> so I, I really just enjoy that you came out in this in, in, in this dark night to record this show in the middle of this winter storm. I appreciate that from the bottom of my heart. I'm gonna introduce you guys, but I uh, want to just you know why don't you pretend this is your show first, and then I'll let you guys go ahead. That's oh my god, uh, <laughs> oh Lenny, I love you, bro. Uh, How you doing? <laughs> good. So, Lenny, thank you for joining Cooley and I on the Don't Call Us Anthony podcast. Always hey, a pleasure, guys. buddy. <laughs> Should I tell you all about Lenny Schwartz? I'll be happy to tell you about him. Well, I, I think I think we should I think we should mention uh, we should mention that I've known you for what almost like 20, 21, 22 years now. It's actually, been uh, two thousand two. I think is when we met. Literally, uh, I think the first I, the first time I laid eyes on you, it was love at first sight, and uh, you know it was it was. I mean, really, you know, we you know it's funny. I, I'll tell the story again because it was great. You came to audition for a show, and and the first night you said you did very well. You read it very well. And then the second night, you, well, with the first thing, like, I can I can come back with a bow staff, and I'm like, oh, all right, cool, it was a, it was a three section staff. Oh, <laughs> it wasn't staff. a bow staff. Yeah, well, both, whatever it was. Walking around like, Rhode Island College with a full bow staff. Yeah, well, yeah, you, you went up, but you did. You came to a you came to audition with the three, the, you know, three whatever prongs, and you did this whole act. We did this whole thing. We actually did it. It was fucking terrifying, and, uh, <laughs> and, and you're doing it during an audition. And the guy, one of my friends next to me, goes, "Why did you have him come back?" And do this and do this. And I said, I don't know. I didn't think you'd actually do it. <laughs> and then yeah. I didn't cast you, which was an asshole move. <laughs> Knowing what I know now about your auditions, like I probably oh. never would have, like, because the name of the show was Kung Fu Baby. So I That's thought, right. like, 
oh, if I can demonstrate that I know something Kung Fu related, like it might yeah. help my chances. But I didn't realize like that there really wasn't going to be anything like that in this no, show. Like, so it made, no, it made no sense. And so yeah, like hearing, <laughs> hearing the story and then like remembering I actually did that is somewhat embarrassing. <laughs> All right, dude. However, I will say when we did it again, we did the show four years later and you came back sans both staff. And you were amazing. You were casting the show, and I and I, and I thought about asking to do the both staff then too in that show. I said, you know, well, not the both staff, the three, the three, anyway. three section staff, yeah, three yeah. section staff. I oh want, I want one myself. Anyway, how are you guys? Doing, doing good, man. So glad to have you on. Um, Absolutely. first question, just tell us a little bit about like who is Lenny Schwartz? Like, your, give us a little bit of your background. Like, wh who are you? Who's your deal? Well, you know, it's funny because I think about this a lot, actually. Um, I'm a guy from Cranston, Rhode Island, and mm -hmm. I, I say this very often. Um, you know, Cranston, you had two choices when you came from Cranston. One was to get into drugs and uh, really heavily get into drugs. And the other one was to go into theater. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that was it. And, you know, I, I think about this a lot um, I, about the choices I had. And I said, you know, I'm going to try theater it took me a minute to think about that but i was i mean literally i was, in, I was at cranston west and it was a den of vice and scum and uh you know i just i felt it i was like i don't know i and i the funny thing was I, I said one or the other everyone went for drugs uh and you know <laughs> so we have and no offense is, it, is anyone here from cranston uh my wife <laughs> Oh, it's going to be amazing when she hears this. Oh, it's amazing, it. yeah. Well, I mean, she obviously chose theater. I mean, it's... yeah, yeah she chose she she's in the she's in the arts too. Good for her. Yeah, yeah. And people that she knows from Chris are probably there, but they probably know the same dealer. I mean, honestly, let's be honest, <laughs> me and her. <laughs> I love it. Anyway, oh, but yeah, so, so, but so, but I, you know, I I I write plays. I I uh, I write screenplays, which is just amazing. Uh, I'm just a guy just, you know, like anyone else who likes doing what he does. And, you know, when I, and I, 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 I probably direct about two shows, two plays a year. And mm -hmm. I'm trying to get at least one film done every year. Although I'm filming right now, it's probably going to take me um, every two years to do a film because I'm shooting like Stanley Kubrick, apparently. And mm -hmm. I'm the slowest director since Stanley Kubrick, where I can, I, <laughs> I literally, I go to film set and it's like, you know, I, I, have, I have such an amazing team. So if they're listening to this, we're doing a film called The, ha the Haunted and the Hunted. If they're listening to this, one of the best teams I've ever worked with. And I'm like, what the hell am I doing here? You know, it's yeah. like, honestly, that's so good. And what they do, and I'm like, and I and I just like, okay, just say action and pretend you know what you're doing. Um, you know, the the thing it is though with film, it's so different. But um anyway, but back to back to this. I've been writing for tw writing directing for tw over 20 years at this point. Uh started probably nine nineteen ninety-six, almost 30 years now. Wow. Uh, God help us all. Um, but um, you know, I I I love it. You know, I mean I love writing directing. I like learning and every experience. My I think my criteria, my criteria for doing anything, whether it's a play or a film or anything like that, is is that I just I just want to have a one of a kind experience that is creative for everybody. And um there's been times where I people are like, "Oh, you have done plays?" That's because I don't feel like I've got the full experience about out of those, you know, or mm -hmm. redone, you know, like like I feel like there's more to be mined and more to learn and more to make either the script better, or have something that's. A, I like singular experiences where if I do a show, like um, Tony, you were in a couple of shows. I don't think I've mm -hmm. redone any of those. Like we did um, uh, the first show Tony did for me was 2003, uh, Lulu and Me, and that was yeah. such a single singular experience that we can't replicate. 
Um, I don't want to. If somebody else wanted to direct it, I'd be like, go ahead. But what was what would be the point? You know, at that, right. and that's I always tell people. You know, I and I did. I, I think when another example would be like Buster Keaton, two thousand eleven. We did that show, and um, that was such a singular experience. I did not want to repeat it unless it's on a bigger scale. If someone says, "Here, Lenny, here's a million dollars," you know, do Lulu and Me in New York or something like that. I'm like, that's a reason to do it. And that's the reason. That's maybe like some place to take it creatively, um, but that's kind of what my experience has been. Um, a lot of times, even people who are in the business right now, who are directing films, uh, people who are fa even famous people, um, you know, they will tell you that they will tell you that too, is that they remember those singular experiences because no one really gets rich off this. You might get a little bit of fame, but it's only like the, the 1% of the 1% who are getting, you know, that, that living basically everybody else is a working actor or writer. So yeah. I, I decided that, you know, I'm gonna have a fallback, you know, a fallback job, but I'm going to create the stuff I want to create. And it's been going very well. I mean, for the last, you know, you know, 25 years or so, I think it's well, been, I, yeah. say, I mean, hats off to you too, because I mean, not a lot of people can say like, yeah, they might be directing like two plays a year, but you're not only directing, mm. but you're also writing the plays that you're directing. And which and is, which is yeah, it's producing. Which, and you're, yeah, producing. Like, I mean, you're, you're wearing like three or four hats, like how many mm. times a year? So, I mean, right. that's that in itself is like another job. It really is. Um, and promoting it and doing all those things. But the thing, you know, it's, it's, you guys know Kevin Smith, the thing that Kevin Smith will tell you, like Kevin Smith, I mean, we're not that different genetically. I, I mean, honestly, as far as being creative, being what we're creative, he's constantly trying to, like no studio will ever, was well, hiring Kevin Smith anymore to direct a film. Like uh, the days of like him doing even like Chasing Amy or Mallrats, you know, or even Dogma. Um, even I think his last like studio film was Clerks 2. I mean, if you really mm -hmm. think about it, like he did Tusk, he did these other things, lower budgets. And, he, and but the thing is, he kind of directed himself, he brought a wrote and directed himself out of the favor of the studios. And that was by almost by design. But if you look what he's doing right now, he just has a maybe a, I mean, he definitely has a bigger audience than I do. But what he's doing is he's he's doing what he loves, he's you know, writing what he loves. And he's taking it amongst his fans. And that's not much different from what I'm doing, to be honest with you. But that guy's, he's, he's working at it. Like he's out there. And, you know, I, so I admire that. Whether I, I mean, his films have been mostly missed for me in the last like 10 years, except for Clerk 3. Um, but he's out there doing it. He's on, he's out to conventions. He's doing those things. Um, so, I mean, you guys are doing the podcast, you know, and that's, that's amazing to me. You know, I love people who are doing something creative. Um, you know, Tony, you've got two kids, right? I think yep. it's right now. Two and girls. Uh, yeah. all the other Tony doesn't know how many kids he has. Um <laughs> 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 yeah, I was talking now for condoms, guys. Uh where though? <laughs> Tony truly smile for the camera. <laughs> oh my god. But yeah, I know what you're saying. saying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just amazing. That's you have to find your own creativity and what makes you happy. And this makes me happy. So there'll mm. be a time I'm sure it won't make me happy. And I'll go out to sea or something like that. <laughs> you just like drive off on your boat like Dexter at the end of the season. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then come back and see Darren Andre. That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's right, man. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like I, I've I've read um I've read Stephen King's memoir. Uh, oh, cool. The uh on writing. Uh, yeah, I don't know yeah. if you ever read it, but it's brilliant. Uh, yeah, you know, he talks about he goes deep into like how you know it was in the beginning. Uh, like we all mm -hmm. know Stephen King as like, holy shit, it's Stephen King, right? Uh, but when he was getting started, it was like he couldn't get published. Like he couldn't get a, a, a you know, he couldn't get anybody to pick him up or or, or whatever. So 
there was a lot of sacrifice. There was a lot of grind. There was a lot of uh, determination and, 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 you know, like self value, mm -hmm. right? Like, right, right. Um, so, so how much of that was your experience uh, coming up like in this, in this business that you're in? Well, I mean, honestly, um, like Stephen King, um, I could have went the route. I mean, he seems a lot of drive. And after he got successful, there's a lot of a cocaine. I just have to acknowledge that. <laughs> For Stephen King, there was a lot of cocaine. If you ever want to see Stephen King on cocaine, uh, look at the trailer for Maximum Overdrive. You ever seen that? No, I mean, I've seen Maximum Overdrive, so case closed. Yeah, exactly. He's just like, yeah, I, I will say that. So he went from that to like, you know, but I, I understand that, though. For him, good for him. I mean, you got you got you get over it. You know, not quickly, but uh, we got it for a minute at least. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so, <for us. laughs> anyway so, is, you know, anyway. Uh, so, Pennywise uh, is a product of cocaine. It, it, it really is. It really is. Well, I mean, come on. Well, the funny thing is, I was reading, I mean, this is a total tangent. I will answer that question. I just read that Pennywise and the, uh, the dark man from the stand could be the same person. I've heard oh, about that. That's interesting. All and I right. said that's really interesting. And I'm like, wow, I should do cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, Lenny, if I could fix you on cocaine. You're fast enough, my friend. Yeah, dude, dude, I would literally be jumping through the screen, the screen right now. I'm like, I'm like, oh, we all float over here, you know? Like I'm mind blown right now that you're not on cocaine. <laughs> no, I know, right? I never touch the stuff, trust me. Uh, but any because I look at Stephen King after from on and writing. But anyway, only coke, uh, the only coke you've done, Lenny, is diet. <laughs> that's that's right. <laughs> I drank a monster one, so it's yeah. phenomenal. Oh anyway. God! <laughs> anyway, so, but yeah, I mean, honestly, what was the question again? I'm kidding. <laughs> um, Stephen King, Stephen King. The way I feel about that too is like, yeah, there is a lot of sacrifice. Um, and it really is depending a lot of times on how much you do want to sacrifice to yourself. That's really the thing, you know. I mean, you know, I mean, it, it's like anything else. You know, you're gonna, you know, was there things I sacrificed? I mean, I could have gone to grad school mm -hmm. um and I, I i could have you know i could have there was a time i actually could have gone to brown at one point i could have gone to umass amherst for grad school could have went other places to, to, to establish playwriting and um, i actually have uh, i won't tell you where the school was but if you ask me off the air i will tell you um but i had a really interesting conversation once with um with the dean of a prestigious school and it was one of the most amazing. So I went, I went on an interview for this and I was thinking about it. And they, they, they flat out told me at the interview, like, we want you to have one to two years worth of experience before we, you know, because you, you're coming, we love your stuff, but you're coming from college. You don't have any real world experiences. You are shielded by the school. You know, we only accept this many people in the world with how many people we accept. And we do, we do like you. We like what you do. But if you have one year or two years of experience, you know, you might not even want to do grad school. And, you know, because, you know, you have to because no one's going to teach you how to write. We can't teach you how to write. We can teach you how to do form, but nobody's going to teach you to sit at that desk and do that. And that's what that's kind of what Stephen King did, you know, in, in a lot of regards. You know, he was he could have he could have gotten a job somewhere. Um, I've been by his house up in um, what's it called? Bangor. I mean, mm -hmm. there's nothing there's nothing to do up there. So maybe he maybe didn't made the right choice. Um, but, you know, but there is. <laughs> There, even so, you know, he made those sacrifices and did those things. He, you know, there were there were many things, even back in the day, where I, I, you know, I tell people this all the time. People are like, well, how do you write so much? And I tell them all this, and I'm like, well, the the thing is, is that I, it's not that I write so much as I do it every day. You know, I, I, mm. I can't, and I, and I sacrifice something else. You know, um, you know, you might, you might go on. People might like playing video games for an hour a day. 
For me, I don't play video games. I write. You might go out and drink with your friends five times a week. I don't go out and drink with my friends. I write. So there are sacrifices to be made. Um, there are sacrifices, certainly, you know, with um, I, I, for a long time. I, and this is something that really, that really I think about it affected me. Um, it was my own fault. I, I, I'll even be completely honest about this too. A lot of, a lot of my life, you know, I was constantly taking jobs that, you know, I wouldn't make a commitment to almost because I wanted to write, you know, I wanted to, you know, be, have that option to do things. So I worked not, not only menial jobs, but I had opportunities to work in those jobs to move up. But I, I almost didn't because I, I knew that I would be sacrificing rehearsal and that's a mis- that was a mistake in a lot of regards, but where I am now professionally in my job right now, it wasn't a mistake. I guess maybe I just lucked into my new job. I don't know, but what a job I'm in now, but it, it affords me both. And I just, I couldn't find that right balance in a lot of regards. I think that's what a lot of us struggle with. Do I, you know, do I, do I go with the family? Do I do this? Do I not have a family and pursue my career? Do I, you know, what, what do you do? And you, I'm, myself i'm trying to keep everybody in my life that i that's valuable to me so that's number one you have to make that out of the way too so once you have that established then you have to figure okay um you know how do i make this dream come true and these are the parameters where i come true like i can't i can't immediately go to la i would love at one point i would love to go to la but i'm also gonna be 46 there's no i'm gonna show up like hey los angeles i'm here no one's gonna hire me you know (laughs) um but, but, but um I will tell you this, and this is going to be a very serious segment of the show, guys. Um, I remember when I was in 2015, um, I was, how old was I? Eight years. I was 37 years old. And I was going to be turning, actually, no, I think I was 38 years old. Actually, I was 38. And I just get, I just get let go from one of my, you know, the job that I was like, this is my, this was my security blanket. I mean, not that I was knocking out of the park you know, financially or anything like that. I had, you know, we had money, whatever. Um, but it wasn't like, you know, I, I it wasn't like I couldn't miss like, you know, four months worth of paychecks if something happened, you know? I and mean, I think that's what we all feel at some point. It's like you probably, you guys probably have a house and, uh, you know, an apartment or whatever. And people listening probably have that too. And it's like, my God, you know, if, if you lose that job, like how long can you survive? You always think about that. I'm sure, do you guys think about that at all or? Like how oh, long? Oh yeah, all the time. I mean, from time to time. Yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah, and, and and that's like a, a common stress for people. Like, what am I going to do? Like, if I lose this job, then everything goes to, goes to crap. And then I did lose the job I had, and um, I'm like, oh my god, like this will be the end of things. You know, this is that's what you think to yourself. You know, this is the end. Um, and it's probably you think like, God, this could be the worst thing that ever happened to me. So I was actually, you know, it, it became a, probably one of the worst times because there was something going on with the, the theater partners I was working with where they had promised me, you know, Oh, you'll move into a position here. And that was never a reality. And um, it was like a fantasy. I was kind of dangled in front of me. I don't blame them, whatever, you know, there's, you know, they wanted to do what they wanted to do and, you know, but like this will happen in a year. Just stick, you know, stick with what you're doing or whatever, you know? And then I had that, that choice. That's one choice. And I'm like, okay, I can go on this other way. So for that next, you know, when you're 38 years old and you're, you know, look like this, um, you know, it's not, uh, <laughs> you know, you can go into modeling, which I did. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> not, not really. Um, but, you know, but or you can go, you know, you can you know, do whatever you need to do, but you also wonder yourself, you're like, okay, well, what's going to be that next step? So, you know, and luckily, you know, um, lucky I was able to 
I had, I had other things I could do. I got into you know financial stuff, which I never thought I'd be good at. And I luckily right. I have an aptitude for, but that also, that also in a way that was also even more helpful to my, to what I was doing. Uh, I didn't realize it at the time because I lived almost in this fear of like, Oh God, I'm going to, if I lose this job, you know, this, this will be, this will go away. But what I didn't trust and didn't realize that it didn't need to go away. It just needed to alter. It actually altered into a better situation for myself. So I don't know what that point of that story is, but no, I think it makes, I think it makes sense. I mean, I think, I think the course of your life actually is going to affect anything you do, you know? So it's weird how things work out, you know, like that's that's, that's what I was trying to get to though. It's like, it's like anything else. Yeah. Like the way that this hits the river affected my creativeness. So I was able to parlay that into something that even became a different kind of more creative in a different way, which was amazing. I actually got to do, so I actually think the shows I did after I after I left my other job, after I turned mm-hmm. 38, I think the shows I've done in the last seven years uh, were some of the best shows I've ever done. Um, I will I will say that, honestly, I feel like everything I did before was great. I love that. That was like a nice section. But I think every show I did from Social Avenger on was, and I'm including the other bar- the, sec- the third barrier because that was an excellent show. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that those were the start of just like a new a really new creative chapter. Um, what ends up happening a lot of times is that we think that, again, that like Stephen King, he thinks that this is what it's going to be, this is what it's going to be, kind of keep that over there. But every part of your life, if you're really creative, you will make the time for what you need to do and you'll find a way. Um, and that's what Stephen King did. He found a way. You guys, yourself, you know, Tony, I know used to act a lot, you know, he's, you know, but he does need a creative outlet because, you know, he has two kids, you know, he's, he's got a wonderful wife and he's got a job. But what's his creative outlet? It's this. You guys are doing a podcast. That's fucking amazing. You know, um, when you give that up, when you give up that that idea of like, I want to create something. I just want to watch TV. I don't want to be bothered with this creative stuff. I think almost you die inside of it. You know, So I have to say, I, I hate to, I have to jump in because yeah. like you have been you're literally saying things that have been, that have been in my head for the past year. Yeah. Like like there there are times where like because you know, I'm not doing anything. It's like, I could sit down and watch a movie, but I like, I have to do something like right, I have right, the right. itch. Like I have to be creative in some way. So I totally understand where you're coming from. It's, it's like perfectly yeah. said. For, perfectly for, for, said. Me, Problem for me, yeah. is that I, I just want to do everything. Yeah. Right. 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 I, I want to do everything. I want to, I want to, I want to 3d print paint, fucking play board <laughs> games, play video games, watch movies, do a podcast, do it's like, there's just so much. And like, don't want to pat myself on the back at all but i'm good at a lot of it and like and i really love it and i want to do it and it's like there's just not enough time in the day and that's it's almost overwhelming but like yeah like i try to like you said like you carve out the time to do the things that you want to do uh and you find a way and tony has asked me several times in our tenure as uh podcast hosts like how the fuck do you watch all the shit that you watch (laughs) i don't understand no it's kind of like lenny i mean like that's like you though i mean like you have you have so much going on you're writing two plays a year you're you know you're you're directing you're producing you have your day job but then like you're posting like every day it's like director study and you've watched like a two-hour movie i'm like how are you doing it bro how how are you doing it (laughs) 
freaking amazing, most amazing way. So I don't sleep very often. You're married. But, you have a kid. Right, 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 right. Like it's funny because when we were, we just did the the, the uh, Batman show, the Bill Finger show. We did Tell it, me you your secrets. People were asking me that. They're like, you know, you're directing a film. Doing that, we just start up the film, which was really kind of stupidly insane. Um, yeah. But we, we started the film in August of last year, and um, we were I was in rehearsals for the Batman show. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh God, I'm taking the show, this this Batman show to three states, and I'm doing New York Comic Con. And I'm like, but it was like in the so we're open, so people are looking at me like, what do you mean? I'm like, I'm opening up in three cities in four weeks, and I'm doing four weeks worth of shows and maintaining the job that I, I did. I figured out a way to make it happen, but it took three, it took like like six months of planning to get there. And I think what it is, man, it's like, you know, I have this idea. And once I have an idea, I got to keep going till it's done. Mm-hmm. And I don't, and that and honestly, I, if I tell people if anything, I've slowed down, I've slowed down a bit, um, just writing and everything like that. And it sounds weird to say that, but I, I feel like I have slowed down. The, the thing of it is, is I, I'm, I've gotten to the point where I'm 46, I'm 46 years old. I only have maybe about 15 years more worth of plays that I can direct or do anything or films I can direct and I'll be writing forever. I think I'll be writing for the rest of my life and let other people do it. But at age 60, I think I'm just going to say, you know what? I'm going to go travel. That's it. I'm going to I'm going to retire. I'm going to travel. I'm going to see the world. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to actually spend the last like 20 years of my life before I get sent into a nursing home. It's traveling <laughs> and seeing things. And then when I get to the nursing home, they can wipe me. I'm fine with that. You know, I'm good. Yeah. All uh, of those things are going to inspire you, right? Like the, all, right. Like you're yeah. pull inspiration from all like traveling. Even when you get to the nursing home, there's going to be things there that inspire well, you. But, to write. Yeah. I don't, I, I think that a lot of people though, I think what it is, is that they, they, and, and I don't mean to, and everyone's listening to this and they might be saying, Oh God, you know, like, what the hell is that? Is that me? But, some and, and this is a true honest thing. Some people just have that drive. Some people have that drive for this amount of time, and that's that's okay. Like I mean, you know, some people have this. Like, it's like you know, to say I want to act, and then like they hit twenty five, and they're like I don't want to act anymore. It doesn't mean they didn't have that passion when it happened, but that's all the gas they were given, basically, yeah. and that's all the Lord gave them. But some people did. They, they, you know, I think they hit a certain point. And it's like. They can go away from it, but they're never going to stop. You know, I mean, I look at Richard Griffin. He's like always he was always telling me he stopped saying he's going to retire. Thank God. He's a director that I that I work with. He's always said I'm going to retire. But the problem with Richard, and I, I mean, this in a very positive way, is that as far as what it goes, he's always, something always pops in his head and he can't get rid of this obsession. And I think that's amazing. Like I think that for me, mm-hmm. it's so I'm so blessed to have that, like, you know, and cursed <laughs> at the same time to have that thing where I'm just like, you know, uh, Tony, you remember Bob Colonna, right? Oh my Bob God, Colonna. yeah, I love Bob. Bob Colonna is a wonderful guy. His father was Jerry Colonna. He was, uh, in case anyone listening, they were. He was an actor in a local scene and just yeah, Bob's retired. Bob's awesome. Maybe. Bob's awesome, and he's not he's not acting anymore. But he was seventy eight years old, and I asked him, "Would you want to do a cameo in a show for me?" And he was so excited, like it was, like, it was the first day on set for something, you know? Right, right. And, <laughs> you know, but that but that to me was amazing, you know. And I I think. If I, if anyone, if I'm blessed to be at that age and say, hey, you know, my my tank, my gas in my tank might run out next week. It might not never run out. I don't think it'll ever run out. But as long as there's a passion in front of me, and as long as a passion in front of you, you'll find a way to get there. It's just a matter of how we're gonna do the path. The path at that point. How right. do I have all the time to watch movies? I have no fucking idea. <laughs> yeah, dude, like I, I've, I've seen a lot of. It's a great answer. I love I've it. A lot of movies and a lot. Of, I read a lot of books. <laughs> 
uh, yeah. where there are characters like that, like they're 78, they're retired, they're like they're out of the game for a long time, and they somebody goes to ask them to come back, and the first thing they say is like, like, uh, oh, those days are behind me. Um, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Not the man I used to be. Like, have you ever ran into anything like that? Like, or <laughs> like are people? most people usually generally excited to like want to do something and get back into it? Man, I well, first I'll say I hope that's me. Like it's like old instead of old man Logan, you get old man Schwartz, you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, I'm like one last one, you know. I'm gonna come back You're running through the woods throwing scripts at people. You know, go like playing these wood, you know, get yeah. off my lawn, you know, I got shit to do, you know. Yeah. So but it's I a great I, movie, I, I, Grant you know, Torino. I mean, I run into people like that, you know, I mean Every so often, I'll run into people that I need to say this like, not that they made the wrong choice, but they do miss it. Like, um, we're working with, I think you know, Derek Colantano, uh, 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 Tony, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Derek hasn't acted probably since Social Avenger on stage, mm -hmm. and um, he's in the new show I'm doing. When I asked him to do the show, um, I said, Would you like to come out for this? Because honestly, I wouldn't actually have done the show without Derek because mm -hmm. it's a specific role he's playing that only he could play. I would have redone the show somehow or figured it out. And Derek's like, I haven't acted in this long. And I'm like, and so he's come back to it and he's love, he's loving it. Like he's, mm -hmm. he's doing such an amazing job. He's actually become, he's coming to his own as a performer, which has been really great to see. Um, he's grown up, he's had life experience and it's really kind of like, he's come back from not acting and, and actually living the world, trying to go through the struggle that we've gone through. Mm -hmm. It really has informed that who he is. And so I'm excited because his performance is freaking amazing. And it's not, you know, it's something we haven't seen from him before. So you'll see that every so often. Someone come back. Uh even even Tony Amaral, every so often we didn't do a Barry for, for forever. <laughs> uh you know, but even so it's just like, yeah, let's let's do it. And you weren't you weren't doing stage work at that point, I don't think, right? right? right. No. You came you came back to do stage work and it was your best performance. Um, like really, oh, thanks, what, man. No, I don't, but, I, but I mean that, and I mean it's not because it was comedically funny, um, but there was so much more that you lived in life mm. that it it felt like the whole show was just like if there was ever um, the most perfect show that I think I've ever done, um, as a comedy, just a straight out comedy that was probably up my top list because it was so funny and it was so it was just a joy watching these people. You could have put, and, and even Jim, like even uh, our friend Jim Kelly, who's in the show, even Dan, you guys have worked together so long that, and worked together in different ways, or known each other, hung out in different ways, mm -hmm. that watching that show, the easiest show I've ever directed in my life. And it's it, funny, because with those two, though, it's like, you know, it's just like riding a bike, man. Like, you get back yeah. on stage, and that chemistry never is always there. Right. You know? and, and, then you throw, and then you throw Aaron into the mix, and he just fueled the fire. Oh, he did. <laughs> that was probably the most fun experience i think i've had and like, I, I i tell people i mean besides i think i had a show called me three uh at that point which was more a little more politically bent and i and but it wasn't a straight out comedy but i don't think i'm doing a, a, a fall comedy this is coming up um which is called pussy hanukkah uh, uh comes to harlem which is going to be amazing <laughs> How have I told you guys about Cooley's this? face was classic. He was like, <laughs> yeah, please. What? What's the no, title again? Yes. Pussy Hanukkah Comes to Harlem. Um, oh. I could, you guys want to know what it's about? Uh, 
I have to. Yes, please. So, so I, I was there. I said, I said to do. I haven't done a comedy in so long that I'm just like, I'm, and especially the show I'm doing now, it's kind of a comedy, but it's also just like the end of like you know, honestly, it's the end of the I'm just, local. I'm just, I'm just thinking like, Grandma, you want to come see my show? What's the day? What's it called? Pussy comes to well, what's the, funny? Comes I, I, to I, I, what is I, it? I, I'll tell you this. This is what's really funny. So at this point, I think when this podcast comes up, we're moving into a new space. And um, I and so every time I move into a new space, I'm like, oh, fuck, here we go again. I'm going to get because I always I always put together these shows and I put together these shows and they're kind of this like, you know, this, these shows that don't not, not that they don't offend people, but they're, you know, they they have, you know, last time I put up the Social Avenger was well, I, I was supposed to open a new theater space for the Social Avenger. And everyone was like, no, 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 no. And even to the point where they didn't even want the show to happen at all. And because they're like, this is going to affect our new space. And it was so much worry about it. And it was mm. like, I, and, it, and it, it was so stupid because it's like, it's just a show. It's not going to, you know, it's like any other show. And like, you're going to, I'm like, I'm not going to sit there and like, you know, you know, drag penises all over the stage or anything like that. Like, look, look at this, which I eventually did anyway. Because <laughs> I mean, they, because they, you know, say, anyway, that's another story. But I, I wouldn't have had <laughs> anyway. So, 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 so I opened up a new space. I hope God not listen to this, but no, but the new space people, I love them so much. And there'll be, there'll be more coming up about this in the coming weeks. Um, but we're talking to the people in new space. And I, I wouldn't sign on because I'm like, well, I, I, I say, I want to see what, I want to feel the hesitation because I could find another space basically. But, you know, I'm like, God, I did, you know, the Bill Finger show, the Steve Ditko show. And they're like, I'm sure they're like, wow, this is great. You know, he did all these things. He did all, you know, he did a show about seduction of the innocent, all these PG-13, PG shows. And then they're like, well, I can just picture their eyes. I'm like, what's your show going to open with? We can't wait. I'm like, oh, Pussy Hanukkah comes to Harlem. I'm sure they're like, fuck. That's <laughs> like, amazing. I thought, that, I thought that'd be the reaction. Uh, and then, so I'm, I was kind of a test. I, I like to put everything out front. And I said, I said it in a meeting. They're like, and then they got really excited. They're like, what's that about? It sounds amazing, right? And I'm like, I got the right people. So, but the show is about, I can tell you this. I'm, I can tell you the bare minimum about the show. It's literally about um, this is a phenomenon that could happen scientifically where the earth stops, stops spinning. Like it stops spinning completely. Like it just stops. And scientific, you can look it up. Um, but so, so the earth stops spinning because everyone's become so politically correct. And so, you know, so woke and all those things that it's the grease that runs the earth stops. So, so, <laughs> so we have, so the earth is going to go into an, an Armageddon apocalypse. And um, so they, uh, so the U.S. government decides to find two canceled comedians from the 1980s with their mohawk and uh, to try to convince, to try to show everyone how to be offensive again. And try to see the world oh be offensive. <laughs> so I, think I, I love this. I love it. Yeah, so I, I really wanted to do this. So I used to do these shows with Old Daydream, where we used to do these kind of like wild shows. And we haven't done one of those, like a rodeo, for such a long time, like Kung yeah. Fu Babies. And I said, that's what we what we really need now. Because I've been doing such, oh my God, like I'm going to rehearsal even now. Like the show I'm doing is very good and it has some very, very funny moments, but it's heavy. And I'm I'm sitting there, and it's a very strong show. But at the same token, I'm like, my God, everyone's gets to have fun. And I'm just like, yeah, what are we doing this time? Oh, we're talking about you know raping the community, you know. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, but I feel like that. I feel like you know. Yeah. Um. Even even so, I'm even doing the Bill Finger show. I'm like, okay, what's it about? Oh, it's about a guy who got you know screwed over by you know by his creators and and about the, the sad life he had. Um, we're talking about seduction and the innocent. We're talking about, and that's that's the shows I've been doing. And it's like I'm lucky to be able to do those. And I didn't want to miss those opportunities at one thing. But at a certain point, I'm like, my God, you know, 
uh, like what's going to come next, you know, at this point, you know, Hey Lenny, what do you got going on? Let's talk about, you know, I, I don't know where to really, I don't know that there's a place I could go in directing the film too. It's a very strong horror film that I just need to do something that says, okay, I need to have a little fun at least once. Yeah. And yeah. I'll go back to like, you know, some, some other stuff and do some things that, I, I don't know if, if I'll have a place after that. Cause once you see the show and Jesus, anyway, so. oh like, would you, would you say it's like a bookend to the uh, social Avenger? Actually, um, funny enough um, that you say that the show I'm doing now, right now, dramatis persona is actually a bookend to the social Avenger. And <laughs> I nailed also, it. <laughs> yeah, no, so, so, and, I, and, I, and I kid you not. I, and I, and if you get a chance to see the show dramatis persona, I will tell you a little bit about it. Not nothing. I don't want to give away any details, but I will tell you this. Uh, Dan Martin is playing me, and Dan Martin played me in the uh, Playwrights Notebook in 2005. Yeah. So I always consider the Playwrights Notebook the first part of the Social Avenger trilogy, and then the Social Avenger being the middle part. And I said there'll always be a third one, and I said this is will be the third one. So I've slowly over the last eight months have been pulling people back from the cast of the original Social Avenger. I did ask Tony, but Tony was like, "I got kids, dude." In a career, and I'm like, I get it. <laughs> I, I want to right? do it. I don't even freaking fit it in. I need your. Yeah. I need the magic. I yeah, need, need the magic. Need the exactly secret. right. <laughs> but we, but we're, we have 84 percent of the cast from Social Avenger. Um, I just, I just actually recast uh, in Julian because we lost an actress, and Julian said yes. And I'm like, she was available. Great job. It was great. And it was mm -hmm. even. I was like, that you know. So we, there's a. I'm, I'm actually one thing I am doing. You'll notice, and a lot of people aren't going to notice. There's going to be little. There'll be little things from the original Social Avenger. Um, that is, it, it, you'll if you like the Social Avenger, you'll like this one. But holy shit, this is the one I'm doing now. Is oh my god, yeah. Well, I I wanted to do a show. Well, I can talk a little bit about it. I guess I won't say much about it, but I'll say I always wanted. I I always found that you know we are always what the theater what theater people have turned into now. Is that every there's no more theater in the, on stage? There's always off stage, and now it's online where people are, you know, um, people are. I don't want to say they're like, oh, you know, we have one opinion, and then they all gang up on each other and shit like that. You know what I'm talking about? You probably yeah. see it. Right? Yeah. So I, I kind of want to focus on that. And it's so toxic in a certain way. It's kind of like the Snyder fans, the Snyder in a certain way. Um, but there's a lot of abuse that happens. Just researching a play in local theater, not saying Rhode Island, just Rhode Island theater. What everywhere, like if you you look, that's the big hot topic now. It's like everywhere you look, and there's abuse in theater. There's abuse in New York. There's abuse in, you know, um, uh, you know, in Portland, you know, Portland, Oregon, and every everywhere you look, there's something that's going on. And how do you how do you address that as a you know how do you how do you address that? So I decided to write a comedy about it. Mm. <laughs> but then but then it became then it became something really else. And um, as it was writing it, you know, and. This is, I say, more of a dramatic comedy this time. Um, but I, it became something I'm like, okay, well, the main character has to be a, almost a representation of me. And it took me forever to find an actor that could play me. And, and you know, I was like, who's going to play me? And we had, we had somebody who did uh, a reading for us, but he couldn't do it afterwards. And then uh, Dan kept saying, I want to audition for you. I want to audition for you. I want to, I've had played you before, you know, and I like the version of you before. I'm like, okay. And, uh, he read against everybody else and he was perfect, not because he was playing me, but because he had the the stuff to go. So, but there are some certain things that Dan does that you'll recognize immediately. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that for me, because you can't be playing me without doing those things. So, right, 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 right. Uh, so if you like the Social <laughs> Avenger or if you hated it, or you're like, you'll like this show. It is definitely the third part of the trilogy. 
And I, I always said that this one show will, you know, it'll either, it's, it ends in a, it ends in a very positive experience. Uh, it might piss a lot of people off and we, and I, you know, I might lose half my audience, but when we do Pussy Hanukkah, we'll lose the second half of that audience, which I'm excited about. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and then you'll get a fresh audience. You get a whole right, new batch of people. Know. Yeah, you know, <laughs> honestly, you know, honestly, man, it, I, people need to just stop being so safe. You know, like, do if you're gonna do something creative, you're gonna do something comedic, then do, then do, then do it. And if you lose people, then you didn't want them there anyway. <laughs> you know, well, so. that's, that's that's a very good point in some regard. I mean, a lot of I think, yeah, every regard, I think that's true because I think that's what's happening a lot of times is that everyone's so scared about right about now is that is afraid of that moment would it get put on blast right they have, like yeah. someone's gonna blast me online and you know and that and that's like a wet people use that as a weapon now to like almost like to shit on creativity um and not just on a local scale or anything like that that's kind of what the play's about too is that you know there are people who do deserve that to be put on blast and that's what the play kind of examines um and, and you know specifically some certain characters that deserve to be put on blast and certain abuses that should not be tolerated of course but I also, but I also feel too, and I and I do agree with that. If we're gonna do it, let's do it. You know, let's mm. not. That that was that was the real thing to do the show. People are gonna people have said I have to be completely transparent on every aspect of my life if I'm gonna do a show like this, because that's and people are like, wow, that's kind of I don't I don't think it's brave, it's, and it's, you know I think it's I think it's just you have to be. I think that's where a lot of people fall short is because they're not being transparent, uh, and that's another theme of the show. But you have to be transparent. You have to push it out there. I don't. I don't think that. I don't think that necessarily everything should be scrutinized. A lot of times, it just comes from the characters, you know. Mm. And you can't have interesting characters if they don't. You can't if if you're so afraid to write those interesting characters or write those things that might offend people. Um, and that's another thing that the show is about too. Is that you have to push that if you're going to do it do it i can't stand half people who half ask things if you half ask it don't do it if you're right. not going to do it completely don't i can't stand kindness when i when i sit at rehearsal i'm like you know with people don't give me kindness i don't cast people who give me kindness if people make that determination even if it's the wrong determination that they made we can fix that but at least they made that choice you know mm. um i feel i feel that's one of the things that's so hard about hollywood right now is i think that a lot of films right now are in that kind of stage like we're gonna kind of do it you know yeah. um and then you have toxic fandom who won't let them do it. Um, yeah. So I think that's, I think we can talk about toxic fandom another time, but Jesus. <laughs> you, know? You, know, you know, it's it's funny that you say that. I just like, I really agree with that because a, a couple of friends of, of mine and I were talking about this a couple of weeks ago and, you know, like there hasn't, I, I don't feel like in, in Hollywood, there has, there hasn't been a really strong streak of good classic comedies like no, you know, no like, like, i mean you think about like when we when i was you know in, yeah. in like early college years like they had like the american pies and that you have like oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. wedding crasher 40 year old version old school like all of those are instant classics i agree right. that there are some things in there that like aren't necessarily politically correct but they're funny because they're they people can relate to them like not right. everything in right. life not everything in life is safe you know well, what I mean? So th yeah. weird things are going to happen. And I think if you kind of like touch upon those things in some way, there is some comedy in that. 
there is, you know? and I and I do I do think that too. Uh, I I I do believe that too. I think I agree with you. It hasn't been a great comedy. I I don't think. I actually I actually really liked the new Shazam movie because it actually had some really funny moments. I haven't seen movie. that yet. I'm okay. Yeah, I loved it, and people people are bashing it because it's like oh this this and this. I'm like guys, just have fun with the freaking movies. God, everybody bash it. Just just it's a movie, man. Like go yeah, in and just enjoy yeah. it for what it is. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's not gonna sit there and be like oh god, Ant, you know Ant Man was wasn't what I wanted to be. I'm gonna die of cancer. Jesus, this <laughs> fucking coming away. You know, seriously, who gives a shit? You know, and I said I think I said to you guys before, but honestly, I'm gonna talk about stuff like that. Ant Man. Oh God, it wasn't what I wanted. Oh my God, really? Oh Jesus! How, how would you? I mean, Cooley and I agreed right away. Like Jonathan Majors was amazing in that. Like, oh, it was amazing! Just, I there was so the many movie. good points. To yeah. this good. There were so many emotional moments to that movie. Like it wasn't an Ant Man like the original Ant Man comedy, but there were yeah. still so many good elements in it. Yeah, and people are mad because like, oh my god, it's not Endgame. Endgame did. I'm like, fuck <laughs> off. It's really? not going to be Endgame. <laughs> Yeah, so. You know what? I know. I know. You know what? I remember. Uh, I, I like. I remember sitting through that movie and enjoying it. I watched Shazam. And I felt the same way. I, I, I look what happened on, on. I look on Monday morning. I see article about uh, article after article about, about why Shazam failed. Right, mm-hmm. and I'm like, it takes away from my experience because I'm like, I really enjoyed this movie. I yeah. stopped reading reviews. I enjoyed it. I'm like, this is this felt really fun to me, and I don't understand why people are pissed at it. Uh, I, I think that I think that everyone wants to be a critic. When everybody a critic, everyone's a critic. Nobody's a critic. Nobody can enjoy anything. It's all. It's always going to be, you know, things are just what they are. I mean, it's disposable entertainment. Honestly, a lot of it, you know, if it doesn't work, great. The reason why there's no good comedies anymore, though, you're in. The reason why you said that is you're exactly right. What you said. People are afraid to offend. So what you get, unfortunately, is that you get three things in comedies right now, and that's it. And this is what the, all the comedies have turned into. They turn into number one something so fucking stupid that your brain falls out, and it's so fun. You have like you know, it's not even like the bench warmers. It's like the bench warmers of the bench warmers, and you're like, oh hey, would you like to have some water? Hey, I'm a character, and you're like, fuck, Jesus. And number two, what you have too is you have hey, coolies. I can yeah. see like it's exactly what he says a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah, but no, 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 you're right. Coolie, you're exactly right. Number two get is you get these actors or actresses uh who make one funny movie and i'm looking at you melissa mccarthy who make one funny choice in one funny movie and then we watch them and i'm not just picking on melissa mccarthy but i'll pick on her not because of any other reason that i saw i saw bridesmaids i didn't like bridesmaids uh for the for number the reason that's number three um because Number, number, we watch these actors who get a success. Melissa McCarthy was very funny in Bridesmaids. No matter what you say, she was hilarious. But the movie didn't work for me. But even so, but then it's like, oh, she's funny in this. We'll put her in a thousand different movies. Oh, Identity Thief. Oh, you got this. Oh, you got this. You get somebody else like Jason Bateman. Jason Bateman is actually a really strong actor. But Jason Bateman said, you know, is very sarcastic. Let's put Jason Bateman in all these movies that that, that, that just the titles interchange. You know. Um, you know, you have who else is a comedy star right now? Like, I don't even know anymore. Like, who's who even does comedy? Nobody, right? I think, mm. I mean, that, but that's what it is. They pick on this one actor and they put him in all these situations and all these different things. You know, like it turns into situational comedy, and this that isn't funny. It's like, you know, the person you know, they don't work in the script, they work around the person, so it turns into this, this always this mess. I uh, I actually think of the new Ghostbusters with um not the newest one, but the one before that, the one with Melissa McCarthy. I'm not picking on her again. Okay, I don't find Kristen Wing funny at all. But I, I saw that movie, and even so, you had these four actresses. Whether I like Kristen Wiig or not, she she does have some comedic abilities. 
you watch that movie and you're like, wow, did anyone do anything else except say, we're going to put these four women together? Did they, did they create a script from cloth? Did they do anything? The original Ghostbusters was these, you know, four actors who worked really well together, but they built mm-hmm. it up from scratch. This one, instead of building it from scratch, they put the they put the, the the topping on first, which is the four actresses. Let's build it around them, and that doesn't mm. work. You know, I think yeah. that's that's my point number two. Number three, and I'm gonna sound like an old man at this one. Yeah. We have unnecessarily sex comedies. All the things. There's always somebody doing something fucking stupid sexually, and I can't fucking stand it. There was a movie called <laughs> Palm Springs with Andy Samberg, which could have been very funny. Uh, I thought, I thought, wow, Andy Samberg is in a movie literally littered with sex jokes all over the place. And it had a good script, had a fun script. I literally sat there and I'm like, why? Did you see this movie? I haven't. No, I loved it. Yeah, you loved, I loved it, the movie. But, but even so, you're watching it. I can't let my daughter watch that. So right. it's not something, it's not something like, um, Happy Gilmore. We'll say that Happy Gilmore or The Wedding yeah. Singer or even like, I wouldn't say American Pie or even old school, but something that I would. Even if she saw it by herself, I wouldn't feel comfortable with her watching that movie. Or even something like, you know, I'm trying to I'm trying to find like a good example of this. Uh, something like Liar Liar, yeah. Liar Liar, PG thirteen, hilarious. I think unbelievable. But you know, it's not. It. it I felt. I. I always feel like that. It's even the Palm Springs movie. Even if they took out all those things, there isn't enough. It isn't enough to make it a classic for me. That says I can pass this over to somebody. And you know, I, I'm but. That movie's a little, I felt was a little guilty of it, but it was some other movies I was watching. It was like, um, so Mike and uh, something get wedding dates, stupid freaking title. Remember that movie? I don't know if you remember this thing. I yeah. know you're talking about it, for, but I don't, I don't know the exact Plaza was in that one, yeah, 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 yeah. She's in that, and, and, yeah. and it could have been a really funny movie, but then you get to the part where it just becomes this uncomfortable sex wing scene, and I'm like, oh god, why are we watching this? Like, this is so dumb, and it takes me out of the movie because nobody wants to be creative, they want to go for this really cheap laugh that isn't really funny or built on anything comedically. You, you know what I think that comes from though? I, I think that comes from like a lot of like comedians now. Like I, I like, I'm a big fan of Bill Burr and I'm a big fan of Louis CK. But yeah. I feel like a lot of those comedians use like sexual jokes as shock value. And yeah. I feel like, and I feel like it works. So I think that they try to put that into film and I don't think it translates the same way. Well, you know. that's that's just it. I, I feel I, I feel the same. I feel that too. It doesn't translate to film. I saw Cocaine Bear. That's what I saw recently. I just um, finished watching that yesterday, uh, and I texted Cooley. It was like, like I actually didn't. Really, I was like, "What is this?" I thought I was like, "That's it." <laughs> like, yeah. Well, that's the thing. They went for the cheap. They went for the cheap, and it's like you know, I I wanted to laugh. And I wanted to feel something really funny about that. Like I wanted to see a, the special effects. First of all, were awful. But I, I mean, people ask me, like, what do you give it? I mean, what do you give it? I'm like, I might give it like a three or a four out of 10, we'll say, right? Um, because the, and people are like, well, it's it's the, the concept, the idea is funny, but everything else in it was just stupid. Like, I, I thought there was nothing. There was like a, it was a, in that's destructually, comedies have become a donut. You have this big glaze of cocaine bear, we'll say, right? Mm-hmm. And there's nothing in the middle of the hole together. So I'm watching, I'm like, all right, well, what the fuck? I don't care about Mar- Margot Martindale. Like yeah. even at even at his worst, I mean at his worst, and in liar liar, Jim Carrey was a freaking cat in that movie, right? Well, we'll, we'll admit that oh, was he was a war, but it was amazing because you actually like he's so awful as a person in that movie. His turn is hilarious, and it's so but it's so <laughs> you're like he was so awful to watch. But I mean, but he didn't care. He went he went the distance. He said, "I'm going to do this." There's no one who's actually willing to do a comedy where they go the distance anymore and say, "You know what? I don't." 
You know, and that's the other thing. Nobody wants to be unlikable, too, in comedies. Nobody wants to be. Bill Murray in Ghostbusters was fucking unlikable, but he was great. You know, it's like you know, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, you watch him in Stripes, he's unlikable. He's a freaking, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a pain in the ass, but he's hilarious because of mm. that reason. Same thing in even Ace Ventura. What's funny about Ace Ventura? People laugh hysterically at that movie. Ace Ventura is a pain in the ass who shows up. You know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's unlikable. He's, he's showing up. He's unlikable. Whatever. But nobody wants to do that anymore. They don't want to be. I'm coming in and I've got problems and I'm gonna get on and I'm gonna do this. No, I want to do the guy who has who's a freaking mental case who yeah. comes in who, who hates everybody. People he pisses everybody off. And at the end, he might learn something. You know, and it doesn't right, mean anything right. to him. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. Oh my God. Well, I wanted, I do want to touch on just a, a couple yeah. things. Like these are the big things that, that I think are important that you've done. And, and I know that you're, you're very proud of them and you should be. Uh, you wrote a play about uh, Bill Finger, which you've already mentioned. Um, yep. And you also wrote another uh, about Steve Ditko, which was, were both like amazing shows. So thank I you. Mean, I appreciate that. Yeah. And I think, I mean, Bill Finger, like, I think that that brought a lot of I think that opened up a lot of people's eyes to who he was, where I feel like a lot of people didn't know anything about Bill Finger. And well, I think, that, the, and, and yeah. You, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been amazing. So that's just, I'm, I'm super proud of you for that, man. Thanks, man. That was an experience of, I'll make this quick. Cause I want to run on zoom time. Um, the, um, I love saying that. Bill Finger was something that I'm so glad we got to do the version of, that we finally got to do of that play. Cause we did a, a version of it in 2015. And that's one of those experiences I was talking about, talking about earlier where I was like, it didn't feel like a full experience to me. I don't feel it's like a, de a definitive experience. So to be able to do that and have Athena and Alethea both involved with that and actually get to know them. And I, I've been friends with them for almost 10 years now um, to actually do that and actually have it be the play that I wanted it to be. And at the end, I don't ever need to do the play again myself. If someone wants to take it, certainly they can take the script and do whatever they want with it. Um, I'm kind of good with that script. Actually, I feel, I feel mm. like we've done, you know, what, you know, what we, what I wanted to do with it. So this version that we just did, we took it to New York. We took it to Johnstown, Pennsylvania. We had it in Rhode Island. It was the version I've always wanted to tell and the script I've always wanted to share with people that I couldn't get to in 2015 um, for many reasons. Uh, the original script I wrote in six weeks, I wasn't proud of it. Um, and it went through so much, so many changes over the last eight years that to have that version, probably have so many different versions of it that it could have been, to, to be the version that it is, it's just felt amazing. Um, so I'm happy with that. And I was happy just to, Call uh, Alethea and um, Athena, my lifelong friends. They're wonderful people, mm. um, and I, I really am. I'm very lucky. And the Steve Ditko play, man. I I don't. That was just a. I just did that. I didn't think anyone would come see it. Uh, I did when I did it. I felt like you know. I was like, man, I wrote it. I want to do a play that I want to write about Steve Ditko. Nobody, you know, nobody really knew who Steve Ditko was. And uh, Stanley was in the show. And the first, the first, you know, I got to know Mark Ditko. Um, you know, who reached out to me and he says to me, he's like, oh, well, there's, you know, there's things in the play. He read the plays. There's things in the play you should know about. And he goes, you know, Steve didn't like this kind of food. He like he like crepes. He like this. He like this type of music. He like this. And he's like, is it okay if I'm telling you this? I'm like, yeah, tell me everything, you know? And I, I didn't think that Steve didn't go any relatives. But turns out, um, you know, he has a whole mess of relatives. Yeah, they're everywhere. And all over my Facebook. And they're wonderful people. Um, and it turned out that was really wonderful. So we're opening up the show. And I'm starting to realize there's more Dickos when nobody thought they were even around anymore. And Mark was just really instrumental in it, you know, and stuff like that. So we did the show in 2018. The second During the second week of the run, uh, Stan Lee passed away. 
and then my ticket sales exploded. So, um, and that was, that was something else. Uh, we, we then, you know, we, we, we took it to New York in 2019. People went crazy for it. The New York comic-con crowd came in. It was really something. And uh, same thing with even the, the, the Bill Finger show. People were coming up to the show. It was like, they're coming to see, com they're going to Comic-Con and seeing the show. It was really cool. And to have that experience, to have that thing was really excellent. Um, so I, so when we did it in uh, Johnstown as well, it was just like, I mean, we, we did the, the Ditko show again in Johnstown too. So I had two shows go up in Johnstown, which was amazing. Um, it was like a 400 seat theater. They're turning into an IMAX now, which is amazing. Um, I love the guy who's running it. So I, I told him when he, when he, we, I finished the film, I want to shoot, I want to show my film in IMAX. He's like, I got the projector, dude. Don't you worry. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> me, I'm like, all right, we'll do it, you know? Um, but I, I really want to do that. I'm going to talk to him about that. It sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, but we, um, we did the show in, in Steve Ditko's hometown of Johnstown, Pennsylvania for Ditko. Um, it was a Ditko con. So it was all these things related to Ditko and he invited me down. I'm like, this is not happening. This is amazing. And this, the play was kind of like the centerpiece of the beginning of this convention that they had kind of going on. And there were literally, uh, I think I might've told you guys this before, but everywhere I looked, there were Ditko's. Like, I'm surrounded by a hundred Ditko's at this point, all his family and relatives who know him and they're watching the play and they're like, that's what it was like. And I'm like, this is great. I was amazing. Uh, James Tinian, I think I told you guys showed up with his, with his partner, Sam Johns. That's um, awesome. It was, it was and it was so nice and so 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 cool. They, I didn't invite him. They showed up, and um, you know, and because Sam Johns is actually from Johnstown, which is hilarious. Uh, and um, we um, we you know, it was just, we had a nice run of the show, and we're watching the show, and then the character Stan Lee comes out. I'm sitting there surrounded by Dickos, and I said this before. And when Stan Lee came out, they all booed him, and the Dickos did. I'm like, this is the best day of my life. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's so interesting I, this is the thing when you do stuff that's creative you never know where it's going to take you. you guys decide to do a podcast look where it's taking you guys you know this same thing happened to me with this like I write plays I get to know the Ditko family and I never thought my three passions in life are Batman comic book wise Batman Spider-Man and the Rocketeer and um, I got to know um, Jen Jen Stevens which is Dave, who's Dave Stevens' sister um, because I reached out to her, I said, would you ever thought about a Rocketeer play? She's like, well, no, because they're doing a documentary. I'm like, that's cool. That's fine. Whatever. And a documentary is everything you'll ever need about the Rocketeer. It is Dave Stevens. It's beautiful. Like I, I couldn't touch it. It's amazing. But we got to know each other and she's amazing. Like, she's an amazing person. So Jen, if you're listening to this, hi, um, you know, but Jen, 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 um, so Jen actually took, uh, me and my family around to the Comic-Con Museum in San Diego when it was a Rocketeer Dave Stevens exhibit. Uh, oh, that's out. cool. That's and cool. She, and the, and, and it, she sent me a message afterwards. She came to my um, Bill Finger panel afterwards. And she came up to, you know, she said, you know, very I had a wonderful time talking. We met a couple of times before. And then she sent me a message. It meant the most to me. It's like, I sent you guys. I, I, love, I love this message. She says, you actually remind me of my brother when he was alive, Dave Stevens. Always creative, always crazy doing things, you know, always have these ideas. And it just meant so much to me. I love, yeah. I love that. So I mean, you never know where these these, these little things will take you. Um, I will say, I if I'm going to do one more one more biographical play, maybe two more. There's only two things I would love to do, and I've said this a thousand times. There's only two things that will take me out of the biographical play retirement. Only two things. Number one would be the Ninja Turtles. If it was Peter uh, Peter Laird and Kevin Eastman, if you let me do a play about them. I would do that in a second. That's in a awesome. second. I would do that. The only other one I would do, if that's just a Rocketeer, which won't be happening, which I would love to do, but whatever. Um, 
trust me, trust me. I think that's I think the biography is the the documentary is the best. But if there was one more thing I could do, I'm thinking more and more of it. If I could do one more, it would be the Man of Steel. I think that would be great. The creation right. of Superman. Yeah, I, I think that's that would cool. be. Yeah, because like, that's the father of superheroes. You yeah. know, so yeah. I don't know about that. That's something that you know. Someone told me they wrote a play about him in uh, Cleveland when they're born. I said, put your play up. It's been a year and you haven't done anything with it. So we'll see what happens with that. But uh, for the time being, right now I'm just doing the movie, doing uh, I have a play in this fall, play in the spring, and then we'll see. I don't know what goes on after that. I'm only only planning that far ahead at this point. And you you have some stuff on Lieberman. What's that? Did you already finish writing Lieberman or the Lieberman? Lieberman. Yeah. Stan. Stan. Oh, Stanley. No, no. I know, I, know. I, lo- I would love to write a uh, play about Stan. I mean, I have the perfect guy to do it. Um, I think that Stan Lee's story has been told so many times. And he's such an interesting character, but it's been told so many times and so many different. Actually, you know, Not really? And, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't Not know. Really. I, I, we hear, we hear, we hear bits and pieces of it, and some people get it right, and some people don't. Um, yeah. As a historian, <laughs> as somebody who knows comics yeah. and knows the the real history behind things there's a lot of stuff that's missing from the from the documentaries well, that you, we see it's sensationalized you, almost have you read the book by by abraham reisman uh no what is it uh is he, so he wrote a book about I'm stan lake down right now yeah abraham it's a little um just parts of it are a little smarmy and a little and, a, and, and they are smarmy but it is heavily researched well and it is a book that tells you, I mean, about his later years in life and the stuff that he went through. It is insane. It is insane. But it's a heavily, it's a little too anti-Stanley for me, in, in my opinion. Um, I love Stanley. I mean, I I I do fight for the artist. I don't think that Stanley was ever in the Bob Kane league as far as like being the biggest bastard in the world. Stanley was the was is a very big conundrum because he was comic books biggest cheerleader and I will say that like he did a lot of great things for comics. Hmm. He he also did a lot of things that were promoting Stanley. You know, right. so, I mean that's that's the thing with Stanley is like that. I mean, yeah. he was a character. Oh, he and was. Stan, I mean, Stanley was a ham for the can. He he wanted yep. to be in, he wanted to be on stage in the spotlight that all he the time. that way. Yeah, and most of the artists in that community in our community like. A lot of people aren't like if you're an illustrator or you're a writer, like you're kind of you're not shut in, but you're not really an extrovert, right? Like because you're you're, right. you're constantly creating and thinking in your mind, right. and you're seeing all these, so you're not yeah. really that person that's going to be the rock star. But Stanley right. was the absolute rock star, yep. and that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. So you're going to have the anti-Stanley crowd or whatever. But uh, right, but, but for me, it's like. You know, you just got to understand that it that was the individual. That's who he was. And his, right. and his and his personality and the way that he was so, you know, extroverted and, you know, wanted to be in the spotlight. That personality is what brought Marvel Comics to the spotlight that it had. Whether you like it or not. I mean, you know? honestly, I, I mean, that's that's the thing. Yeah. I'll I'll praise Jack Kirby. I'll praise Steve Dicko all day long. They're, the, they're, they're amazing. Like, I mean, everyone at work, Barry Windsor Smith, Neil Adams. All these people, all these artists brought things to brought things up that that you know brought comics up. Stan Lee, I mean, if he wasn't around, I mean, I'm not again, I he could never admit that Steve Dicko was a co-creator of Spider-Man. He could never admit that Jack Kirby, you know, 
did all these things. He was like, they're great in all these things, but they didn't create them because I did, you know, and I truly believe he believed that, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, th- I think he lied to himself so much that he oh, just yeah. believed it after a while. But uh, so I think there's a lot of that, but the, it, it really is a, it really is a, a very murky waters to talk about because I don't, I mean, I'm not Stanley's biggest fan and people think I am, but I'm not. Um, but I, I also can't dis- discount what he did at the end of his life. Um, Stan Lee had some of the most tragic representation um, in the world of, so you might say it's, you know, you might look at it this way. Everyone's like, oh, Stan Lee got the better part of the deal. He actually didn't. Uh, at the end of his life, he was, um, he was ripped off to a point where it was disgusting. His daughter, mm. his, his, his um, I mean, his daughter, his manager, they ripped him off. I mean, there was a point where he's in a nursing home. I mean, I took a picture with Stan Lee in 2012 before I really started. I think maybe 2011. I have a picture with Stan Lee. I can send it to you guys. Stan Lee was in good health at that point, but that was about the point where, you know, if you look at it from years after that, with people taking Stan Lee, he was asleep in some of those pictures. Like he could barely. It was just like a, like almost like a rubber doll. Basically, they were they were planting him in different places. He had bodyguards. You couldn't get near him. He was just literally, he'd be literally sitting there falling over in his chair. I mean, it was some sad stuff going on. Um, and his his manager really, really took him, you know. I worry about that for some creators I see, um, you know, who are elderly, who go on these, who are elderly or older, going to these conventions. How much do these managers or these, you know, promoters, who's young kids who should never be representing these people. And you look at them. Like I, I actually met Roy Thomas, maybe about, and I got to, and Roy Thomas was going to hire me for something along about maybe about a year and a half ago. Love Roy Thomas. Uh, yeah. Roy, Roy Thomas. Have you ever met Roy Thomas? I haven't. You go to Roy Thomas, you meet him. You got to get through his promoter first. And that is, that, that is a known quantity. I don't mind saying this out loud. Fuck it. I don't care. Um, And I, I think uh, whatever Roy, Roy Thomas's promoter is, in a way, very toxic. And it reminds me of the, the promoters that Stan Lee had, where they were ripping him off. They were at one point just, just using him as a cash machine. I mean, if you look at it from to this perspective, Jack Kirby died with died with his dignity intact, his family around, and all these other things. Steve Ditko, same thing, dignity intact, all the other things. If you look at Stan Lee's life really closely at the end, when he passed, it was not dignity intact. It was some of the most abusive circumstances I've ever seen in my life. And it's sad to say that to people. He was so in love with trying to get with the idea of who he was. He sort of ate himself up in a certain sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. you know, he's still trying to, he's still trying to have successes at 94 and yeah, they turned him know. into a commodity. Yeah. 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 And, they, and they've used that commodity as much as they possibly can. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of it was out of, after a certain point it was out of his hands. You know, they were just taking his name and using it for what they wanted. So it was sad, man. Right. Yeah, man, absolutely. Hey, dude, tell us about your movie, though, man, before we... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, The Haunted and the Hunted. All right, I'll tell you that real quick. So, I'm filming this weekend, which you'll probably be, hopefully, in the past at this point when, it's, when this airs. Um, but we're filming. Uh, it's about one woman who's... Um, it basically takes place... It's a silent silent film for 99% of it. It takes place um, during during a an, uh, a werewolf apocalypse. So, the, the world has ended, and the werewolves have, the werewolves have won. And so the whole, you know, America is, you know, infested with werewolves and it takes place over the three nights of the, of the werewolf transformation when, when, when they become werewolves and one woman's being hunted um, by a pack of werewolves over three nights. And she has uh, a gun with one silver bullet and she has to survive the three nights. Awesome. 
Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a great concept, man. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I, I want to see that. It's going to be wild. I mean, we're Talk really. questions, though. Yes. What do you got? All right. <laughs> Can't wait. Seven. So the. So so it's it's like the world is overrun by werewolves, or it's America that's overrun. Oh, by well, the world is. I, I, right. I said an apocalypse. I said America, but she's in she's in America. So so are they uh, consciously America- making an effort to like preserve some humanity so they can have something to do? Uh, I I can't. I it's it's kind of like hunting the last remnants of humanity, basically. So is the goal to like eliminate them or is it like, do they have like concentration camps where they like keep people where they can send them? I don't want to spoil that, but I will tell you that the woman, uh, the woman who's running is trying to get to a safe haven. I can tell you that. That's that's what she's trying to do. And I don't don't want to get too much into it because I, I, I rather focus on the event that's happening rather than, you know, the, that I'm trying to focus on the action. What ends up happening is a lot of low budget films is I think that they try to build and a lot of films in general too, they try to build mythology so much that we lose the action. And yeah. I think that I, I want I, I mean, there's something every everything will be answered and everything will be explained about where we are and, and what point it is. But I, my focus is on like, okay, I want to see this. I, I literally just want to see this per, this person be in sticky situations and get out of them as best she can, or she'll die. That's where the excitement comes in. So I, I'm more focused on that than um, building. I, I built the mythology around it, but it's not. It, it's not something that is plays as important. Basically, you'll see that stuff, and those answers will happen. Oh, like you could replace the werewolves with like something else, or you can replace them with like a, a natural disaster or whatever. She's just you're you're more focused on the survival aspect. Right, right. It's a, but it's and yeah, absolutely, and it's also a um. In a strange way, and I've, and I've said I've said this all, uh, very often, it's actually an allegory for how men treat women a lot of times, and how women feel even just walking to a parking lot. So, mm-hmm. and, and, and that and that fear of like, oh my God, they're out there, who are really insane, um, built up to a truly insane, paranoid like film. So mm-hmm. it really is like trying to get out of those situations. But yeah. I love awesome, that. Awesome, man. Oh, I can't, wait to, <laughs> I can't wait to see that. I, I, I can't love that. film it. That's, it literally awesome. is taking forever because I I doing dialogue is very easy to shoot dialogue. You shoot over someone's shoulder and then, then turn the camera around and shoot on there, you know, whatever you need to do. This one's making each scene, each time tell the camera the story and tell it visually without saying words. So I can't rely on that. And I'm like, wow, my first real feature. And I just fucked myself. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, playwright, look what I did. No dialogue. <laughs> well, tell us, now tell us where we uh, the people can find your stuff, man, because I mean, you, you wrote, um, uh, graphic novel, Chasing Unfiltered. Uh, yep. I mean, people could definitely find that. You have your movies on Netflix, like Murder University. Like, they yep. can find you at a bunch of different places. So, well, you can find me on Tubi. Uh, a lot of a lot of films are on Tubi at this point. Um, you can also find it on Amazon. Uh, you can find me on on Facebook, Leonard Xavier Robert Schwartz, not my real name. Uh, and I'm on I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter, but not that much on Twitter. Uh, every so often, I'll put down, you know. I'll put down something really obscure and people are like, what the fuck does that mean? And I just yeah. like, ah, I leave and people, and nobody likes it. <laughs> what the fuck do you do? <laughs> I, I, like, I hate Twix candy. And they're like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh yeah. That's so, that's so true. You always put a random stuff. Yeah. yeah. So. But, I, but, I, but on Facebook, Leonard Xavier, Robert Schwartz, you can email me. I'm an AOL. Um, but I'm not going to get my email out, but you can, you can find me if you want, if you, if you're looking for movies, you're looking for anything, Google me. Um, you can also find me at at uh, Rhode Island Stage Rhode Island Stage Ensemble's website for the stuff I'm doing. Okay. And um, looking at Daydream, they'll see the stuff I'm currently doing every everywhere. So 
Um, and as long as my if my play goes bad, you'll find me in other places where I'm running. But if my plays go good, you'll find me online. <laughs> All right. Now, one day I'm going to get that status, though, where I could just be like, Google me. Yeah, I mean, go, well, I'm not saying you like want, that. You want, you, want to, you want to find my stuff? Just Google me. Just, just Google me. Yeah, he no, could no, though. No. I mean, he's got so much stuff under his name. It's insane. It's it's I crazy. Know, like, I know. Killing it. Yeah, that's well. That's what you got to do, guys. Just keep pushing. That's all you need. Tony, Tony Cooley, how old are you? <laughs> how old are me or hey, Cooley? Uh, you know, how old you are? Yeah, you're like, you're like 29. I'm 50 in May. Are you really? Yeah. Are you May, really? May 20th. Yeah. Holy shit! Really. Yeah. yeah, nobody ever believes him, dude. He looks super young. I'm like, dude, I, I thought I was going to say like 32. I honestly thought you were going to say 32. There you go. Thanks, man. Thanks. It's, 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 definitely, it's definitely the healthy living. And, uh, yeah, dude, you're you know, great. Holy shit. All the working killing. out I, I do. Wow, Jesus. God, I'm depressed. <laughs> I'm depressed. And, um, <laughs> you have any kids, I'm, I'm, like, I'm, I'm, I'm vegan. I'm, uh, I'm a carnivore. I have to know do you have any kids what is this what is your secret no no uh that's the secret no. <laughs> that's the secret it's too Good late for, for you, you but not for me dude you're 50 what do you do for a living besides podcast holy shit that's like this i'm gonna turn this around right now what do you do no it's the, it's just you know uh that it's like if you don't do shit, then you don't waste energy or Jesus parts of yourself. Like you just, I love it. if you don't do shit, your yeah, body you looks just, better. Yeah, you just yeah. you just if you're lazy and oh, just sit around all day and do nothing, then your body dude, can't. You live away. in a dream, dude. You got fucking Megatron back there. I'm yeah, not use, I'm not using myself up, is what it is. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm not using enough of myself to like actually look like I'm the age that I am. Uh, it would have been great if you're, dude. One day you look, I'm gonna have the same conversation. You have the shit in back. You're like, I'm in the retirement home. I'm 90. He's like, lying. Dude, like, He's just walking around the streets grabbing babies and going. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. No, no, I bathe. I bathe in baby blood. Oh Jesus! I haven't oh. I haven't told anybody because you know friends of mine have babies and I don't want them to like not like me. But that's I understand. But dude, yeah. you're a fucking Megatron back there. No yeah, one's yeah, complaining, bro. dude. Yeah, ET. Dude. ET. Yeah, man. Yeah. Jeez, you got Spider Man bobbleheads. You know, and this is what it's about. Yeah, you in a relationship right now with anybody? I'm not. I'm asking for myself. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I know it looks like I'm not, but the, believe it or not, a lot of this stuff is, uh, you know, uh, gifts from my wife. So, oh, how long you been married for? Uh, twenty five years, man. Yeah, I knew you. I knew you were married, but I didn't know twenty five. Good, twenty five years. You're yeah. married at twenty five. I, I I might be I might be overshooting it. It might be like twenty one. I don't even like I I have to do the math, and I'm not gonna do that on camera. So. <laughs> but yeah, we got married Thursday. Yeah. Between twenty one and twenty five. Uh -huh. Oh my That's god! Amazing. Congratulations, dude! You're killing it. That's what I'm saying. And Tony, you're killing it too. I'm going to say this, guys. You guys, wonderful families. I know Tony's family. I mean, I know Becca very well. She's wonderful. He's got a wonderful wife. You look like you're killing it, too. You know, that's what it's all about. <laughs> Honestly. Thanks, no, no. If you can have a good family and do what you're trying to, you know, and have good love people around you that you love extension-wise and anyone around and you have good friends and you're doing stuff that's creatively, what's better than that? Honestly. All that matters, man. It's yeah, all man, that for sure. That's yeah. well well said. Yeah. yeah. Sure, man. Good friends. And, and it, oh, God. God, I'm so fucking jealous. He's 50 years old. Holy shit. Anyway. Uh, 
<laughs> I mean, don't be too jealous because I mean I don't think that I don't think that because I look young I'm gonna like actually live longer. I mean I think <laughs> I think you might. I think I am still closer to the uh, the final stages. Oh okay. good. Yourself, so don't be don't be too, you know, excited for me. I, I, I unless, unless unless you unless you think the way that I do, where like you know the end, you know, when it comes, it's like you know fine and shit. But uh, oh yeah, like. <laughs> Like, I mean, I feel like when the end comes, like, you know, I've lived a, I've lived a good life. You know what I mean? That's like, what it's yeah. about for me too, man. You want to get to the end and say, like, I did everything I could to make it good. And that's yeah. what matters. Exactly. I mean, to be honest with you, there are some days where I'm just like, hurry the fuck up already. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, but yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, Jesus. That's awesome. Oh. Well, thanks for coming on, bro. We will definitely talk soon. All right, man. Thank you guys so much for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Thank you again. All right, Thank man. You. Take it easy, Lenny. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for checking out this episode, and we truly appreciate your support. If you are listening to this episode, please be sure to subscribe to our podcast and rate it to help us share these conversations with others who may enjoy it. If you're watching the show on YouTube, please be sure to subscribe and click that notification bell so you can be notified as soon as we drop new and exciting content. Thank you so much again for joining and be sure to tell your friends, just make sure you don't call us Anthony.